What a great joy and honor to be back at this great church. I've been here some many years ago, Mr. Calhoun. And the partnership we have with this church has been a great, great encouragement, blessing, and support to the ministry in Romania. So thank you for having me back here. And I invite you to open God's word to the Gospel of Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 9. And we shall focus this morning on verses 35 to 38. Matthew 9, 35. Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in the synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. At this moment in the life of Jesus, there is a significant shift because he is inviting his disciples to be part of the work of the kingdom. And in order to bring his disciples into the work of the kingdom, Jesus is changing their perspective. So therefore, this morning we shall look at the change of our perspective through three main questions. Question number one, what do you see? What do you see? Question number two, how do you feel about? How do you feel about what you see? Question number three, what are you going to do? Based on what you have seen, how you feel about, what are you going to do? When Jesus changed the perspective of his disciples, or when he changes our perspective, he changes the way we see things. Most people in our times are seeing the world through the eyes of the media. They see only what the media wants them to see. Other people see the, the world through their own eyes, a human perspective. So they see only what human beings could see. But there is another perspective when we see things from God's perspective. When we see the world as God sees it. When we see our families how God sees our families. When we see our lives as God sees our lives. So the first question is, what do you see? When you look at yourself, how do you see yourself? Are you saved? Are your sins forgiven? Is your name written in the book of life? Are you on your way to glory? Are you following Jesus? Or if you made the profession of faith, are you obedient or is there disobedience in your life? Is there complete surrender or is there rebellion? How do you look at yourself through the eyes of the media, through the eyes of human beings? Or do you look at yourself from 
God's perspective. I look at myself for many years through my own eyes. And I felt pretty good about myself. I thought that I was smart. I thought that I could find my way no matter what might have happened. Until the age of 18. At the age of 18, I saw myself as a wretched sinner. I saw myself as a loser. I saw myself being completely thrown down with no hope and no future. I saw myself and I was so discouraged, I was so depressed that at the age of 18, I decided to end up my life, to commit suicide. Because I saw myself as I was really a lost sinner. Have you ever came to that point when you see yourself on your way to eternal destruction? How do you see yourself? Let me ask this question a little more personal. How many of us this morning could say without any doubt, based on our faith on the finished work of Christ, on the Mount of Calvary, that we are forgiven, saved, and we are on our way to glory, to eternity? Raise your hands. How many of us? Thank you very much. What a glorious sight. But some of you didn't raise your hands. Maybe you didn't understand the question. Or maybe you understood the question. And you know that you are not saved. Do you see yourself as a lost sinner? Jesus saw those people, they were like sheep without a shepherd. They were eternally lost. How do you see yourself? How do you see your family? Do you look at your family through your own eyes? Or do you look at your family through the eyes of God? How do you see your family? I have a friend, a businessman here in your country. And whenever I'm in his part of the country, we meet for fellowship. And we have a good time together. But some years ago, as we had our appointment, he came by. He was in a rush. He looked at me and said, Mr. Paul, as much as I like fellowship with you, my business is growing so much. I'm so busy at this time that it is easier for me to write you a $10,000 check for your university than give you half an hour of my time. So I said, that's great. Then give me one hour. <laughs> but you see, he saw himself. Such a great, prosperous business person. He was so happy about himself. When I asked him, how is your family? Oh, he said, praise God, we have everything we need. We have a nice home. We have cars. We have everything we want. We are doing great. Praise God. Until some weeks ago, I met him and asked him, how is your family? He said, Mr. Paul, I have to pull down the mask and tell you the truth. We are on verge of divorce. My wife is about to file for divorce. My oldest son is on drug. He is addicted. My other children are emotionally and mentally unbalanced. Our family is falling apart. We, 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 we are in a major crisis. Suddenly he saw himself from a different perspective. Up to that point, he was fascinated with his business success. 
Now, no matter how successful we might be in our business place, if we fail at home, we are the greatest losers because God gave us. Some people who are the closest to us, that we are responsible for them, we love them, and we care for their eternity. How do you see your family? May have a more personal, more, more close question to each and every one of us. How many of us would say that we still have people in our family that are unsaved? They are still unright with God. How many of us? May I see your hands? Thank you very much. I do have in my extended family people who are not right with God. Do we look at them through the eyes of God? How do we see the world? When you look around yourself, what do you see? Jesus saw those crowds and he was not impressed with the major buildings in Jerusalem. He was not impressed with the Roman legions. He was not impressed with anything else. He saw them from God's perspective and those people were eternally lost. They were like sheep without a shepherd. What do you see when you look at the world? Do you see our world going day by day into eternal darkness? Let me tell you what's going on in Europe right now. When you think of Europe, you may think of the great places of Europe, great historical sites and great culture and music and art and whatever. But let me tell you, Europe is no longer a secular continent. Europe is increasingly pagan. Paganism rules the day in Europe. The people of Europe are, are plunging into paganism. Go downtown Vienna and on the street lights, downtown Vienna, they promote same-sex marriages. There are bumper stickers on the car saying God doesn't exist. That's the country of Austria with Vienna. If you go into the Netherlands, there is a political party that is pressing to legalize pedophilia in the, in the Netherlands. That's the agenda. If you go to Sweden, they already legalize incest. Go to Norway, there's a political party who is pushing to legalize relationship with animals and with dead bodies. Because they believe that's their human rights to experience everything that is filthy and ugly. That's what is now the main concern of Europe. What do you see when you look around? From God's perspective, Europe is moving away from God. Romania is moving away from God. What is happening in your country? How do you see it? Second main question. How do you feel about? When you see through the eyes of God, what do you feel about what you see? When you look at yourself, how do you feel? And what do you feel? Are you happy with yourself? Are you happy with the things that are in your life? When I saw myself as a lost sinner at the age of 18, I literally fell on the floor. And for the first time in my life, I saw myself through the eyes of God. For the first time in my life, I saw myself as a lost sinner. I was there crying out to God, knowing that if within half an hour something is not changing, those are the last minutes of my life. You know, I was so deep in that sorrow. I was so deep in that agony. Because when you see yourself as God sees it, it's that deep fire, agony there that you cannot get around it. You cannot get over it. So if you are lost, if you are unforgiven, 
If your sins are upon your life, how do you feel about? Do you hardly wait that things will get over and you'll get rid of this speaker with broken English? How do you feel about? How do you feel about your family? Do you feel that pain? Do you feel that deep fire? Do you feel that something there is falling apart and you cannot get over it? Do you feel that pain that Jesus felt when he saw the crowns, saw the crowds that they were lost? They were like sheep without a shepherd. What do you feel about? When I pray with my business friend, he was there. Initially, we knelt down, and then he fell on the floor, and he began to cry, confessing that he failed his family. He failed his wife. He failed his children, and he was there broken before God. Are you broken? Do you have that pain that will bring you down on your feet, on your face? I was there crying out to God. This businessman was there crying out to God. Jesus looked at the crowd. And he was there and he couldn't get over it because they were lost. He felt compassion. He felt that deep pain for their eternal salvation. What do you feel about? In 1985, I look at the country of Romania. And suddenly I realized one morning that the spiritual future of our country is in a major critical situation. Because when communists took power in Romania in 1944-45, in the Baptist Convention of Romania, we had over 300,000 baptized believers. We had about 3,000 churches throughout the country of Romania and about 2,500 ordained pastors. That was in 44-45. Now we were in 1985. And after decades of persecution... The number of baptized Baptist believers came down to about 60,000. Can you imagine 300,000 down to 60,000? The number of churches, only 650 survived the communist oppression up to that point. From over 3,000 to 650. From 2,500 pastors, only 120 made it through the persecution. Only 120 pastors for the whole country. I saw the country, and there was a deep burden on my heart because I couldn't get over it. Is this all that it is to be? Couldn't things be otherwise? Should I have to accept and resignate and just accept? No, when you see things from God's perspective, you cannot stay and do nothing about. So therefore, the third question is, what are you going to do about? What are you going to do? What do you see? How do you feel about? What are you going to do? When I saw myself as a lost sinner, when I saw myself on my eternal way to destruction, I was there and I felt that pain of a lost soul. And for the first time, I look at the cross of Christ. I look at the one who paid the price for my forgiveness and salvation. I cry out to God for mercy, for forgiveness. Crying out and asking God to do something, to change my life, save me. When I stood up, 
I was a safe person. My mind was changed. My heart was transformed. My bright future was ahead of me because of Christ who is alive. And I'm here this morning because at that moment, God did something about me. And I cry out to his mercy. Are you ready to do something about yourself? If you are rebellious, if you are disobedient, are you ready to do something about? If you are lost, if you are unsaved, are you ready to do something about? Are you ready to pray for yourself? Are you ready to say, Lord, this is the morning I cry out, save me, forgive me, give me eternal life. What are you going to do about your family? Are you going to ignore it? Just say time will solve it. Friends, time is not God. Time will not get things better. Only God can save people and families. So therefore, do not procrastinate. What are you going to do about your family? With my friend there, when he saw himself as he was, when he saw his family falling apart, after we pray, he said, Mr. Paul, I go home and I will speak to my wife. I will ask for her forgiveness for the way I dealt with our marriage relationship. I was so absorbed in my business. I, I neglected. I, I was not the, the husband I should have been. I will go and ask forgiveness. I will go and see my children and ask forgiveness because I was not the father I ought to be. I will go home. I know it's not easy. But I'm going and I will bring my family back together. He went home. He asked forgiveness to his wife. He asked forgiveness to his children. And he is text messaging me almost every second day. Let me tell you the latest. He said, Mr. Paul, my wife forgave me. He, she is not filing for divorce. She is willing to work with me and save our marriage. Our oldest son, when I told him that I love him, that I care for him, I asked his forgiveness for the way I, I related to him. My, my child said, my son said, Father, Dad, if you love me so much, if you care for me, I come home. And I want to get out of drug. And the latest is, his son quit taking the drugs. Isn't God great? His youngest daughter said, Dad, if you love me so much, if you are, and mom are going to stay together, I'm not running away from home. I want to stay in the family when my parents love each other. He said, Mr. Paul, it's not easy. I have still much to do in my life, still much to recoup in my family. But with the power of God, I move on. What are you going to do about your family? We'll have a time of prayer this morning. Are you willing to say, Lord, I will kneel down there on those steps. I will kneel down and I cry out, Lord, have mercy on my family. If someone is lost in your family, what are you going to do about? Are you willing to pray, say, Lord, may this be the day when you will, you will deal with those in our families who are still on the way of the world. May this be the day when they will come to know Christ. Lord, I am committing myself to pray. What are you going to do about your family? What are you going to do about the world? Jesus said, whenever you see things as God sees them, number one, pray. Pray to the Lord of the harvest. Because this lost world is the greatest harvest. God can save our generation. Are you willing to pray for another revival? Do you believe that God can bring another revival over America and Europe? 500 years ago, an anonymous monk 
nail a piece of paper on the door of a church in the town of Wittenberg, Germany, a small town. And that piece of paper, under the name of Martin Luther, started the Protestant Reformation 500 years ago and set up Europe on fire. What are you going to do about You may say, well, what can I do? I was just a, 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 an anonymous person in the country of Romania when I saw the country of Romania through the eyes of God. When I saw how the communists are just pressing on and winning battle after battle, I said, Lord, we have to turn the tide. So I pray about, and together with my colleagues, we started an underground theological training program. We took 50 students. We met in hidings, up in the mountains behind the bushes. With 50 men, we met and we pray and we teach and we study and we plan and we ask God to turn the tide in the country. 1987, two years later, I took 50 more. So now we had 100 and we were meeting in, in the hidings and God provided some of the finest theologians of the, the 20th century to come there in, uh, in the mountains of Romania to teach. Among them, the late Dr. Carl Henry, the great theologian of this country. Faculty from the Southwestern Theological Seminary in Fort Worth, uh, Texas. They came and they taught in, in the hiding there. And you know what? God started a major movement that turned the tide. And the revival started in the land. What are you going to do about? Well, 1989, communists collapsed. So the country of Romania came to political freedom. We decided to take that underground operation, place it above the ground, and start a fully registered theological seminary. Well, I went to the Secretary of State for Education. Romania was a free country now. And I pr uh, presented this gentleman the plan. How many churches we have, how many pastors we need, how many new churches we try to plan. So he said, Mr. Negruz, wait a second. I need your help in a different matter. The public schools of Romania, he said, are short of over 25,000 teachers. Ask Mr. Calhoun, ask the others who came to Romania from this great church about the Romanian rural area. Life is tough, tough, no electricity, no running water, no transportation. And this state secretary for education said, I do believe that it takes a missionary to go to one of those places and work in those schools as, as teachers. But you see, we the government cannot train missionaries, but you can. Why do you want to have just a seminary and not a university? Why don't you start a university and let your students take double major? Theology, literature, theology, history, theology, math, theology, music, whatever they like, and they will be your missionaries and our teachers. Can you imagine such a request coming from your government? <laughs> After 45 years of atheism, our officials understood that our schools need, need missionaries. So I went home, talked to my colleague, and said, well, this is a great day, a great beginning. Let's start a university. And it was a great beginning because we had nothing to start the school with. We had no campus. We had no faculty. We had no budget. We had no library. Well, we had 66 books. That was the library we had. So with that, we started Emmanuel University of Oradea, Romania. 2017. Emmanuel University of Oradea, Romania, was started in 1990, is the only accredited conservative evangelical university on the entire continent of Europe. 
on the entire continent of Europe. We have about 3,000 graduates, and they are missionary school teachers. They are missionary business people. They are missionary plant, church planters. They are pastors. They are serving Christ in 39 countries of the world. What are you going to do about? Well, you may say, well, how, how did you start with nothing and began to grow from there and have that school accredited in the country of Romania and accredited in Europe and the accreditation is valid around the world? Well, I'm glad you asked. Because I'm going to tell you. After the communists took power in Romania, they arrested most of our church leaders and put them in jail and tortured them, and many died in those communist prisons. But in the 60s, the communists did something rather strange. One day, they took six evangelical church leaders and put them in the same prison, in the same room. After years of being separated, tortured, and they were weak and weary, but nevertheless, they were together in the same room. And when they realized, there was a special day. It was a Sunday, and it was Easter Sunday, Sunday of resurrection. Well, they said, what a great day. God just miraculously brought us together. Let's celebrate the, the, the resurrection of Jesus. And one of them said, well, let's do something even more. As we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus, let's also celebrate the Lord's Supper together. Well, that was a great idea, but one of them said, yes, but you know, we have nothing to celebrate the Lord's Supper with. Why don't we postpone until we get at least something? And another one in the group said, we cannot do that. We cannot postpone because we do not know if there will be another day for us. So let's celebrate the Lord's Supper with nothing. What they did was amazing. They form a circle, and one of them took nothing, blessed nothing, broke nothing, gave each and every one of them nothing. They ate nothing, remembering the body of Christ that was broken for us. Another one took nothing, he blessed nothing, poor each and every one nothing, they drank nothing, remembering the blood of Jesus that was shed for our sins. Heaven came down. That place was filled with the glory of God. They sang and they prayed. And that night, they were separated again. Scattered and for the remaining of the time, they never saw another believer. Eventually, some of them came out from jail. One Sunday, I had two of them on the platform of my church in Oradea, Emmanuel Church. They told us this story. And one of them said, you know which was the greatest lesson we learned that day? We learned that nothing is raw material for God. Because our God created the whole world out of nothing. So they said, whenever you have nothing, that is the greatest starting point. Give your nothing to God. And out of your nothing, he will build up his kingdom. So he said, Lord, that's great. We have nothing, so let's start a university. We gave our nothing to God. And he is building his kingdom. And he is the Lord of glory. He can take your nothing. He can take your life. 
He can take your failure. He can turn them into something glorious. What do you see? How do you feel about? What are you going to do? What are you going to do about yourself? Are you going to be indifferent? Are you going to be just emotionally stirred for a few minutes and you walk out and it's gone? Or is there a divine fire that is burning deep in your life and you cannot get over it? And say, Lord, I must do something. Lord, I want to give my life. I, give, I, I want to repent. I want to ask your forgiveness. I want to ask for your salvation. Lord, this is the time I cannot get over it. If you are rebellious, disobedient, you know that this is the time of surrender. And say, Lord, I cannot get over it. I know that it's something that must be done right. And I'm ready to do it. What are you going to do about your family? Is that fire burning strong enough? It will get you out of your comfort zone. And kneel down and say, Lord, have mercy on me and my family. Lord, rescue my family. Lord, bring my marriage together. Lord, have mercy on our children or our parents. Lord, we pray for those in our family that are still unsaved. I cannot get over it. What are you going to do about the world? Just be glad that someone is on the field. Or say, Lord, I know that for years I felt that calling that you want me to serve you. Lord, I cannot get over it. That fire, that fire is so big. That fire is burning so hot that I know I must surrender. I'm here to do something. What are you going to do? I invite you all to stand up. Let's stand up for a few minutes and stay in prayer and say, Lord, what am you going to, what I am going to do? And if you are ready to say, Lord, I am ready to give my life to you. I am ready to get things right. I am ready to pray for my family. I am ready to pray for my children, for those who are lost. I am ready to pray for my country. I am ready to pray for the mission field. I invite you to come forward, kneel down and pray, because God hears prayers. And the prayers of, of the godly man availeth much. Lord, we pray to bring another revival. Lord, I pray that you'll move mightily in our hearts. Thanks for listening. You can find more sermons and other information at crosslifechurch.com.